and welcome to episode number 43. Rocking and rolling here again. Today, Tyler and I are chatting about some sports performance topics. While this wasn't the original intent, we ended up getting sidetracked and talking about a lot of different things, and Tyler plays interviewer as I handle some questions to take you through what it looks like in the sports performance world and how we handle certain things and progression plyometrics and making folks faster and so on and so forth. Hope you enjoy. Yeah. You ready? <laughs> hey. Let's go. Welcome back to another episode of the Find Your Prime podcast here with Tyler Clacy, um, remotely from South Carolina. Where are you right now? Didn't you just go camping or something? Yeah, we did. I, right now I'm in North Augusta, South Carolina. So pretty much I tell everyone we're in Augusta, Georgia, because it's about five minutes from the border. But uh, this weekend we went camping and hiking up near Boone, North Carolina. I'm assuming it's named after Daniel Boone, but I don't really know. Is, and, is, uh, is that where is that where remember the titans takes place i wish i knew <laughs> um, they weren't I'm gonna, I'm gonna, gettysburg because they i'm gonna google it there, so yeah maybe it is remember the titans but yeah we Rogers. we uh did some camping did a little bit of hiking the rain kind of got in our way so we hung out at the campsite i actually bought like a 24 by 30 foot um tarp and put it over two tents and then we had like a little uh, den, if you may, that we just hung out and played uh, Exploding Kittens. I don't know if you ever played that game, Exploding Kittens, but it, no. it is interesting. It's uh, it's different. It was fun. Um, but yeah, I mean, usually our weekends are like trying to pack them full of all the things, all the fun things, but just kind of hanging out at the campsite with a fire, making like summer food was was exactly what we needed. So looking forward to getting back into regular training still got that competition coming up so training's continuing to ramp up for me other than that we're getting ready to move leaving augusta in about three weeks headed back to new york for a couple of weeks my sister's getting married and then off to montpelier vermont that's it for me what about you exploding king i just looked it up it's a it's a board game it is a board game and <laughs> it's pretty fun Oh really? Oh, interesting. It says ages seven plus, but I I enjoyed it. I'm not seven. Nice. Oh, I'm, I'm gonna have to look into it. Look, I have to look into it. So uh, last last week was our official beginning of our summer uh, sports performance program, and I kind of threw out what I was normally doing training wise, and decided that for the next four to eight weeks, depending on, you know, the progress and things that happen in my body. And, you know, I haven't run around and changed direction and jumped as much as I have in the last seven days. Uh, but seeing how my body handles our sports performance program now as a very, very washed up old athlete. Um, <laughs> I always tell kids, like kids always talk to me, like you played college football. I was like, yeah, I played college. I stopped playing college football before you were born. Most of them. Um, That's because wild. if you're in high school, yeah, cause if you're in high school, like my last season of college football was the fall of 2004 and most kids who are in 
high school at this particular moment in time. If they were, they were probably just graduated if they were 2004, that might've made, made them 18. Uh, so most of the kids that I train weren't even born when I was done playing college football. So it's really kind of funny uh, to see, but in that same kind of notion, I am probably a little bit more athletic now than I was in 2004 in my senior year in college football, um, or at least just as athletic. I would say, I would think, I think right now how I feel, I may not have that quick as quick of a first step, but as a general overall athlete, I think I'm, I'm better because of the things that we do normally in our regular training. And then the things that I play around with and practice and do with the athletes. And I think this last, you know, I've done stuff every day, like since Monday of last week, the last seven or eight days have been kind of eye opening for me, um, being able to still move, be competitive and still have my speed that I, used to have and my jumping ability that I used to have like I I played I started playing pickup basketball on Wednesday nights and I was getting ready to leave and I was like let me see what I can do and I went to go you know touch the rim and I grabbed it pretty easily which isn't usually um something I can normally I can normally touch the rim and mind you if you've never seen me I'm not very tall uh I might be 5'9 um I do have really extraordinarily long arms, which does help when you're trying to grab a rim. Uh, but you know, I was like, Oh, let me see if I can dunk. So, I mean, uh, one of my lifelong goals and journeys was to be able to dunk. And I think all the speed and agility and jumping and, and different things that we've been doing have one, um, made me feel like an athlete again. And when I'm doing athletic movements, my body doesn't get beat up as much. And I feel like I can move fast. Like they were talking to like the other day, like, who's playing defense or who's guarding me at basketball. And they're kind of, you know, because we're playing with a bunch of other 40 year old guys like myself. And many of them haven't been fit or in shape for a very long time. They go and play pickup basketball recreationally. So for them, you know, at least in shape kind of pseudo athletically, maybe not the best basketball player skill wise, but athletically and being able to move and jump and run and change direction. You know, it's, I'm, a step ahead of many of them. So it's like a different, a different ball game. Now, if I can finish and shoot, that's another story, but <laughs> I used to be, I used to be quite, I used to be decent at basketball, but nowadays I, for whatever reason, I'm like, I'm either shooting an air ball or I don't know what's going on, but my, you I used to have a pretty good job. Yeah. Yeah. Too, too much, much bulk. bulk but I, there. you know, yeah. what's funny is that when I used to play basketball in high school, you know, I played freshman year at the local high school. I was on the team and then I decided to like focus on football because I'm five nine and I'm right now, right now I'm one ninety-five. At the time I was probably two ten, you know, a little chunky in high school. And I was like, there's no way like basketball is like in my future of anything, you know, playing college basketball or anything like that. But football might be if I train, get strong. So so I stopped playing basketball in the high school. Um and I was good enough to obviously make the team at a pretty, you know, and our that's in our high school that I went to basketball right. was, at that time was super competitive. So I was at least skill wise, decent enough to make the team and be, be a part of that process. But I ended up playing CYO and I used to actually shoot the best the days that I would lift, which is kind of coincidentally, weirdly enough, I would lift probably right after school, like two o'clock, but then I'd play a game at like five thirty or six. And I would usually... Um, shoot the best on those days. And then the days mm-hmm. when I didn't lift beforehand, I don't know if you have any experience with, I don't know. I know you played a little bit of basketball, but I don't know what kind of basketball player you were. Um, it, that's just, it kind of worked out that way. So it was just kind of interesting to see how things have progressed now where I can't shoot at all when I'm not kind of warmed up or haven't done some physical activity beforehand. 
I, I'm curious now. I want, I'm not going to look it up. I'm not going to Google it right now, but I do want to see if there is a reasonable explanation for that. Um, but question here, are we going to see Anthony Mercurio dunk before the end of the year? Is that, is that in the plans here? Um, I would, I would like to think if we, if I continue on the trajectory that I'm on right now and the, the way that I feel, and we're going to be testing vertical, we're doing some things. I think if I continue the eight week, this eight week program, I think I'll be able to do it by the end of the summer. End of the summer. Wow. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I was pretty close the other, I mean, I had my whole, I have pretty long fingers. I had all of my fingers over the rim. Um, so I need probably maybe like three to four more inches. And I think, and granted, I haven't done, I, honestly, probably in my entire life, I've never done a real strict kind of jumping plyometric speed program. Can you, what, what do you think? Have you done, I, I know I've done like lifting, but even no. in college, when we were doing strength and conditioning, there was no real speed program. There was no real no. jumps program. We would just lift. And yeah. so our program, the way that we design it, well, the way that I've designed it over the years is we spend 90 minutes a session, which is most people don't do that. And the first 30 to 45 minutes is plyometrics and speed. This is for the, the like the athletes. athletes in the program that I'm following right now. Um, I'm doing it hand. I'm not doing it like side by side of them, but I'm doing it the same day that they're doing it. Except the speed and agility. Like when we went to the field yesterday, I did everything right with them. I did the entire speed and agility program that they were doing on the field with them because we were doing it with partners and we were able to make it work and mm -hmm. all that kind of stuff. We do, you know, we time flying tens, which we didn't do yesterday. So it's kind of raining out. So I didn't bring out the timers and I want to break them. Um, we're doing explosive do lifts. We're doing, or not explosive, explosive jumps. We're doing explosive running. We're doing chases, races. Um, we did a great conditioning piece yesterday that was like, uh, you know, uh, a vector style training where we had all these different you know, we had nine to 10 different change of direction stations where you were working, you know, what we'd call ex extensive change of direction in a tempo running style fashion where it felt like you were playing a game and you were, we were doing 10 seconds on 20 seconds rest. So if you were playing a football game or, you know, a mm. soccer game where you're kind of doing something hard, change of direction, change of direction, and then kind of like jogging or resting for a little bit and then do something, stop. And we did nine different stations. And we went through it twice. And to have a bunch of 14 to 16 year old kids genuinely have fun and enjoy conditioning and leaving, telling their siblings that that was a, like the, the most fun that they've had in conditioning and in a speed and agility session that they ever. And even like all the kids who came in this morning who were, who did the session yesterday, they're like, I had so much fun yesterday. Yesterday it was so great. And getting the quality work that they got. It, it, you know, I enjoyed myself. I felt like I got a good workout. I didn't feel beat up. I felt like I played a game without actually playing a game. And just, you know, getting that extensive work, I think is super beneficial and the thing that many folks miss in their training. And uh, I guess I'll, I'll just, if you're not familiar with extensive versus intensive is intensive is exactly what it sounds like. It, it's intense, right? So if you're thinking intensity, if I'm looking at change of direction or jumping, you know, we're doing max effort, change of direction or max effort cutting. And for the most part, most sports don't have that. You know, most of the time, you know, I played linebacker. Most of the time when we were changing direction, it wasn't when I'm running full speed. It was when I was like shuffling and then maybe crossover running like one or two steps and then having to change direction to go back. I'm not going a hundred miles an hour when I have to change direction. So that would be considered like extensive or sub maximal. And extensive is when you can do things for an extended period of time at a lower 
intensity. When we're looking at training athletes, we spend a lot of time on extensive plyometrics, extensive uh, running through tempo, extensive change of direction, where we're trying to get a lot of volume. And also kids learn how to use their body more and put themselves in better positions, better angles, and all that stuff when we're doing a lot of volume of that at a much lower intensity. So I guess we were going to go, we had like a pre-planned direction to go here, but I do have a question about yeah. extensive versus intensive plyometric training. Like you said, I, you know, grew up playing all the sports, eventually just focused in on football. We never had like a focused plyometric or jumping program. It was kind of sprinkled in there or an afterthought. But when we're looking at this, right, there's, there's these two delineations that you've created. And I know you can go in a lot of directions, but how how would you apply this to let's say like a soccer athlete right if we have someone who has a child who's a soccer athlete or a soccer athlete listening like what does this really mean like where do we start what's the end result or what's the end goal here well i think the, like most things you want to do like you think like long to short or short to you know let's say short to long um if i'm thinking like sprinting right i want to work 10 meter or 10 yard sprints before I want to do 40 yard sprints. And the same thing goes here. Like I'd want to work extensive plyometrics to build like tissue tolerance and build like resilience and, and stuff like that. And so think of extensive plyometrics as like jumping rope. So if I'm jumping rope, I can do that for a couple minutes straight. And what that does is it builds like that bounce. Like when you see certain athletes have like a bounce or a rhythm to them, that's what that is. You're building like your you know, your Achilles tendon is getting stronger, your calf muscles, and your, there's one that's like your soleus that gets stronger because that's like kind of has that bounce. So you want to kind of get athletes getting to that bouncy part before we get into that intensive part, because then the intensive, their, their body is more able to handle the intensive stuff when you build a good base and a solid foundation with the extensive stuff. So I would always start like super low, lower intensity, extensive stuff, like low level apply uh, pogo jumps, low level mm -hmm. jumping rope, low level um, line hops, different things that we, we throw in there um, that allow us to kind of build up the athlete to then do the more intense stuff later. So, so if we could break it down even more so, or maybe put it in like my physio brain here, extensive is a good way to maybe prepare the tissues, like the muscles, the tendons, the ligaments, the joints for that more intense, um, in intensive training for sure absolutely and that's how it, that's the progression that you'd want to make and sometimes you can do it quicker than others depending on what the athletes are already doing but a good chunk of time that we look at when we're doing certain things is like a two to four week window with some of these uh, speed or plyometric progressions um, because we it's a little bit different than like a strength training progression where some of it is just a rhythm and like a nervous system like learning what to do it's really funny because mm -hmm. we'll do some jump stuff and uh, athletes will go through the first two reps and it'll look sloppy and then they'll get it the next two reps and it'll look perfect because their brain kind of figured out like when their body is supposed to be like when they hit the ground. And some of mm -hmm. it is like your foot has to be stiffer when you hit the ground. And some of it is just like putting your body in the right position when you hit the ground to go to the next direction. So some of it is just this learning aspect of it isn't, isn't always just like a tissue tolerance part of it. But I mean, obviously to be safe and to make sure that athletes aren't getting injured or hurt, then you do want to take your time with it. But some of it changes really rapidly, and especially in younger athletes when they're just like learning how to use their body. And I would say one more, th yeah, one more thing on that is that we find that athletes who do jump to that really intensive stuff too soon is they end up with that like 
that patellar tendon um, pain, like that jumper's knee and so on and so forth. When they're just trying to like go super hard right away, they haven't built up that tolerance to be able to, to handle those loads. Yeah. I mean, I would say tolerance and coordination, right? The, the body's going to look towards specific joints. Yeah. Yeah. Coordination 100%, especially in the younger, the athlete, I think that's where, and again, depending on what they've done in the past, athletes who play some sports and they have some variety in their sports and they play in the playground and stuff like that are going to have a little bit more of that coordination and mm-hmm. that ability. You know, I, I was joking with the athletes uh, probably three or four months ago about what I, what, how I defined an athlete. And one of the things that I defined an athlete as is your ability to do something that you just saw. <laughs> you know, like you're your ability to mimic, like if I do a movement, how quickly can you do it perfectly? You know, and if it takes you a thousand, you know what I mean? So if I'm, yeah. you know, if I'm doing a choreographed dance, like does it take you 10 years to figure it out or do you get the gist of it pretty quickly? And I think that's one of my things that, that I used to define an athlete is your ability to move on the fly, learn on the fly and learn and pick things up quickly. I mean, if you look back to, when you know we were in school, or even when right now as coaches, when we have people come into the gym, you know, back in school you had those guys or girls who you're like, oh yeah, they're just they're a freak, right? They're they're an athlete, and you would say like, oh, they could pick up any ball they wanted and and crush it, right? Or you have this person who comes into the gym, they maybe they were running distance for their their training, or they were doing bodybuilding, and come into a gym like like Prime, and you try to show them how to do cleans and they just like pick it up just like that. And you're like, Oh man, this person's kind of a freak. Yeah. And uh, I, I definitely envy people who, who have that skill, who have that ability. But um, you know, I think we've all got a little bit of it or at least like maybe like a comfort zone um, or an area of, of uh, where we can do best with, with learning quickly. So when you're looking at, this extensive intensive training, it's kind of easy to talk about it in terms of, of sport athletes or field or core athletes. But what happens when it's, you know, Joe Schmo or, or someone like you and me who aren't athletes necessarily, um, but we just regular, regular folks for training and we want to, I don't know, get our plyometrics better or jump better. How, how does it apply to someone like that? I think this, this same, very similar anyway, and maybe not the same identical because the goals might be different. But you may not have to get as if we're looking at the end result, the end goal, you may have you may be able to stop halfway. You know, you don't need to do the full progression, but I would start everybody the same with like learning how to jump and land. And then, you know, and that's why box jumps are a great tool. And box jumps can also one build that intensiveness, at least the initial part of a jump, but people don't realize that the box jump is actually one of the safest and lowest level of plyometric because what you're doing when you land on a box is you're bringing the floor closer to you. So your actual landing is softer than if you were to just do a jump, like a tuck jump. If I were to do a tuck jump where I jumped as high as I could and brought my knees to my chest, like some people do when they box jump and then try to land on the ground, that would be a very intense jump. Versus if I did that and landed on a high box, I just shortened the amount of time that my body's going down towards the towards the floor. So I took gravity away to some extent. So it made it easier to do. Then I can kind of build what we would do is we call it a double hop. We would double hop, which is like a little mini pogo jump. And then we would jump on the box, which builds that extensiveness 
um, to somebody. And then you can start doing potentially maybe some low box rebounding if we're talking just in a general gym setting where you might, that's only you have access to and you don't have different things. Or you're working jump ropes, right? You're working a jump rope and trying to stay on the balls of your feet and just working rhythm as you go through. That's why you see boxers who do that. And when you watch a a boxer with that fluidity, they're always kind of have that bounce to them. And that comes from the jump rope and being able to kind of stay ready and alert and all that kind of stuff in their, in their lower body. Okay. Yeah. That makes, I mean, that makes sense. You've remember you saying when I was starting to learn to coach or train, you would say, you've got to learn how to land before you can learn how to take off. So, I mean, it makes sense coordination wise, learning how to control your body as you land um, but also tissue-wise, I mean, landing is just much more, it's much more demanding on the tissues than than taking off to some degree. So, um, yeah, and most athletes to... get hurt uh, slowing down, right? If right. you look at the majority of injuries that happen, whether it's girls' soccer or football or anything like that, it's usually when somebody's trying to stop themselves whether it's going to change direction and stop themselves or just slow down in general or whatever it might be landing from a jump. Like many times when people get hurt, it's not when they're jumping. It's not when they're trying to start running. It's not all that stuff. It's when they're trying to stop running. It's when they're trying to land. It's all that kind of stuff. So the, the more resilient we can be to, to land or to stop ourselves, the more likely we are to be able to go faster. Right. I, or jump I was yeah. playing fetch with the dogs. Um, yesterday and usually we're just like throwing the ball wherever the frisbee or the stick and i have like this slope in my yard it's probably 20 20 degrees um and a good 40 yards long and i threw the ball down the slope a couple times and it was a nice runway i'm like oh this is great got a nice nice long strip for the dogs to play and i thought to myself like man they never run downhill which means they're likely going faster than they usually do and longer. So I, I stopped it at one throw each because I figured it probably wasn't great for them to be doing a ton of reps without having the, um, you know, the extensive or the, the, the progression towards that, that type of work. So it can apply to canines too, I guess. <laughs> yeah. And they're flying, right. And they're not, uh, when the dog is chasing a ball, they're not like jogging towards it. They're going full bore. They also don't have like you could think they don't have the reasoning that we do. They're not going to fear something right away. Like, Ooh, maybe I'm going to get hurt They're, You know, they're saying, screw it. I'm just going for that ball. Yeah. Um, good. So now we talked about dogs too. We got a nice little dog plug in there. I know we were going to go the direction of, you know, we're talking about different styles of training and maybe we can still go there, but I do have one more question. So we talked about extensive training. We talked about intensive training. We kind of talked about the whole gambit of plyometric training, but what does someone do? before that like what if how do you know if you're even ready to start doing extensive training or whether you're an athlete or just a a regular joe schmo like what if you're not ready for extensive training how do you know if you're ready and what do you do beforehand uh well tyler and i talked about this a while ago and times coming out with some sort of standards for this and one of the standards that we we had talked about was being able to do i think it's a pt test i don't know if we have i don't have the number exactly right but i think it's like 25 we talked about 25 single leg calf raises in a row without stopping full range of motion without losing your balance. And -hmm. I thought that was a good kind of starting point to make sure that you have the, at least the base level of strength to be able to handle some of that stuff. And then from there you can just work, you know, like the, the slower, you know, where you kind of stick the landing and learn how to absorb, you know, use your, 
your muscles to absorb your body weight and things like that. And I think those two things would be the, the first starting point. Like, like I said, the box jump or a low hurdle jump or just like a squat jump where you learn how to squat and then you learn how to jump and then land, um, being able to handle your body weight in that kind of controlled setting. Fair. That makes sense. Yeah, I do remember talking about that. I think it's important to mention, right, whether you're an athlete or um, a non-athlete and you want to improve your jumping and landing and plyometrics, um, you know, it's still, you still need to be strength training and you need to be strength training at a high enough intensity that you're causing, um, you know, increases in muscle size and muscle strength because, you know, in theory, the stronger you are, right, the more muscle tissue you are, the stronger connections that your tendons have with your bones, the better you're going to do with that landing and that jumping. And correct me if I'm wrong there, Ant. Yeah, 100%. I think where people run into trouble with a lot of this stuff is, let's, I'm, I'm going to take CrossFit for an example, and they'll do, people will see the fancier movements, like people doing rebounding box jumps. Now, you rebounding, like jumping backwards, off of a high box, like 20 to 24 inches, which honestly is like the most stress. Like when you're backpedaling and trying to sprint forward, puts the most stress on your Achilles and your soleus and all the muscles. And you're doing that off of a 20, 24 inch box repetitively. That is like super high intense movement. And if you're doing that for high volume, like I remember like one, one regionals a couple, a long time ago, like I think like five athletes tore their Achilles tendon in that regional section and then crossfit was like oh my god we got to stop doing rebounding box jumps because the problem is is that we don't ever program or even tell people to do rebounding box jumps never um because like nobody has the tissue tolerance to be able to handle that kind of stuff maybe some younger athletes or younger people in the gym might be able to handle it a little bit but when you're talking you know, like an older deconditioned athlete, not, and not even deconditioned in terms of strength or conditioning because they're doing, they're obviously in the gym and they're doing stuff, but deconditioned in terms of plyometric bounciness. Like many, many people don't run anymore. And if they do, it's like low level jogging and they may not have that bounce or jump or do any of that or sprint. Or, so any of those things are, are just not happening in their day-to-day life. And then you're like, Hey, let's go do 150 rebounding box jumps and let's see if your Achilles holds up. Not a really good recipe for success um, in terms of, you know, keeping people healthy. And I've never torn an Achilles, but I can imagine it's probably pretty miserable. Um, So, you know, just in terms of that really intensive stuff. And when we're doing these sorts of things, again, that's why we talked about before, like, how do we progress? And what does an average Joe Schmo do? It's not necessarily to be the same end result and the ability of a CrossFit Games athlete or a sport you know, a sport athlete anyway. So you want to get to like a a regular baseline for me. um, My own personal goals is to be able to go and play pickup basketball and not get hurt and have fun and be able to perform at a decent level. And I think that's where most people are. If you play any sort of recreational sports, if you play volleyball, I know my sister-in-law tore her Achilles playing volleyball and she was probably trying to dig or go for a spike. And she doesn't do that on a regular basis. And, you know, one of my buddies out of college, he was, you know, trying to demonstrate pushing a sled. He tore his Achilles. Again, he was deconditioned and he thought his, in his mind, he thought he was still a football guy and he hadn't done anything for six or eight years and was like, I'll show you guys how to push the sled. And then he popped his, <laughs> then he popped his Achilles and everyone laughed at him. All of his, all of his athletes laughed at him. You know, so it's like, you have to still do that stuff. You, and even though we think we can do it because we did it 10 years ago, our body is like, nah, we, these, these, uh, 
these joints and tendons and ligaments are old now. We haven't had any motion, no lotion. Yeah, I mean, regardless of, of how old you are um, or how long you've been training, when you are doing a certain style of working out or training, your body is going to become very accustomed or per se specialized to that style of training. Um, and just because you are fit or uh, in shape, quote unquote, there are still going to be holes in your abilities in your fitness, right? Just like you're saying, you can be super strong, be doing CrossFit or functional fitness five days a week. But if you're not working on that jumping training, those areas of your body are going to back off. They're not going to be as capable as maybe they once were because your body doesn't want to hold on to all of that. It doesn't want to hold on to that extra ability, that extra tissue, because it's costly. It's, it's calorically or energetically costly. So, you know, it's important for regular we could we keep saying joe schmoes it's important for joe schmoes to realize that you know as your life continues your training becomes less activity or sport specific and more life specific you want to try to create as much buffer or capacity in as many areas of movement as you can so that anything that happens in your life you have a little bit of wiggle room to be able to withstand that intensity or that 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 work so that you're not ending up with a, a torn Achilles, right? I'm not saying you need to go out and, and push sleds and make sure you're jumping on boxes all the time, but it is worth um, considering doing some of the earlier steps that Anthony was talking about earlier, like the single leg calf raises, some of that um, jump box jumping on boxes maybe once a week, um, you know, maybe finding a coach or a program that specializes in this and kind of sprinkling, sprinkling it into your training um, currently. And our, we were talking about various types of training, but I think what, what we're going to end up doing here is we're going to tweak this and, and switch a little bit because we kind of are, are getting into this sports-specific strength and conditioning training sequence of things. So now we're, if we're talking about sports-specific training or sports-specific, like if I'm with my sport coach, and here's where I also think that there is a big disconnect between like maybe sport coaches today versus sport coaches I don't know. Maybe there is no disconnect. Maybe it's just my perception of things. But I find that coaches now spend a lot of time, now these are sport sport coaches, whether you're a football coach, basketball coach, whatever that might be, spend a lot of time teaching like plays, like going over plays and things like that and going over different aspects of it. But they don't work on teaching people how to be better athletes or how to do things better. I'm working with uh, like doing a free speed and speed and agility camp in one of our local high schools. And I had a couple of, of kids that are like going to be seniors. One's a linebacker. I just said, I played linebacker before and we're working on some change of direction movements and different things. And he cannot, he could not figure out how to crossover run. So if crossover run, if you're a linebacker is an essential skill for you to be successful. Now he's a senior and he started as a junior last year and he could not crossover run. It took him many times and many attempts to be able to do it. I shouldn't say he couldn't do it, but he wasn't super familiar with it and super familiar with being able to do that. Now, I think in regards to just being a better athlete and being a more successful linebacker or a sport position, you should have some training in those prerequisite skills that you need to be successful. When I used to coach linebackers in my coach football, we spent the first five to 10 minutes every day of every practice working on shuffling crossover run, sprinting, backpedaling, changing direction, doing all this stuff, 
you know, while getting hit and while looking for things and while, you know, so we did it in a variety of different ways to make sure that at least they had the basic skills to be successful. And then we went into like the plays, you know, and all that kind of stuff. And then because you need those skills to be able to do the play correctly. Uh, So it's just, it's really kind of disheartening for me as a strength and conditioning coach, seeing so many athletes come to me who don't know how to skip, don't know how to shuffle, don't know how to cross over run, don't know how to change direction properly. They take like a million steps, don't know how to jump and land, you know, can barely do a push up. So it's just very, you know, I mean, that's what I'm here for and that's what I do. But I, it would be awesome if some of these coaches were, were doing some of these things, even at like a rudimentary level, can do some of this stuff and teach some of this stuff to make sure that their athletes are in a better position to stay healthy and perform better. Yeah. And then you add in the layer of, you know, athletes not playing very many sports, um, really, you know, just playing one sport kind of all three seasons or all four seasons of the year uh, and then limiting their movement exposure and and portfolio even more. uh, It really becomes troublesome and and injurious or, or leads to a higher risk of, injury for a lot of these athletes in some way it's job security for you and me but that's not you know that's not the intent that's not great for for kids to be going through that kind of um, trauma you know if we take it that far but also it's just it's just better for their bodies to to have that exposure whether it's in one sport or we're talking about you know trying to to play many Um, i would i would say it's trauma and it's one of those things that kind of like grinds my gears the most is seeing athletes and, and at the school that I'm at right now, I, I would say there's at least one soccer girl per year who's torn the ter- 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 ACL. I would say over the last four or five years I've been there, there's been one to two athletes every year who've torn their ACL. And it's dis- and that's, again, disheartening or really, you know, like I said, grinds my gears is seeing athletes, you know, when you tear your ACL, that's, and you're in high school, that's like eight months of your life. You're on crutches, you're walking around, you probably can't like go out and hang out with your friends as easily as you normally would. You got to like, hobble around school you know it's just it is it is traumatizing in some ways both like to your body with the surgery and then all that kind of stuff so you know i know we're kind of running over here but we can always continue off this topic a little bit more yeah yeah i mean i would love to to dive into this topic i know we're going to get into the you know athlete stuff plenty more because you know that's that is your love that's your your yeah. specialty per se. And uh, I think we're going to maybe next episode or the episode after we're going to dive into um, the original plan of today, which was talking about <laughs> the various types of, of training for you know, non-athletes and, and how they could benefit you, how they differ and all that good stuff. Yeah. I get sidetracked easily when we talk about sports performance, but anyway, that's enough for us today. Uh, until next time, we'll help you continue to help you find your prime later guys. you to elevate i'm about to detonate because i'm at my prime yeah i'm at my i'm at my prime said i'm at my prime we at our prime hey hey we at our prime yeah i'm at my prime Said I'm at my prime.